Welcome, future doctors, to another episode of the Future Minority Doctor Podcast with Dr. Sulma and Marina, where we bring you conversations to empower and inspire you to contribute to your community and the world by becoming a doctor. Hello, future doctors. Today we have another guest that we promised from a previous episode. If you recall, episode 64, we talked about international medical schools. We had mentioned in that episode that we were going to bring a doctor that is an international medical graduate so that way we can hear about their own personal experience since Dr. Marina and I aren't familiar with it personally. So today we have Alexa Angulo here today who is an international medical graduate from Mexico and is now in her first year of residency in pediatrics. Welcome, Dr. Alexa. Thank you. Thank you. How's everybody? Yeah. So it's so exciting because we wanted to hear from someone who's actually been through that process because sometimes we get students that are wondering whether that would be an option because it's so difficult to get into medical school. So I think before we jump into that, if you can tell us, Alexa, just a little bit about your background would be wonderful. For sure. Well, as Dr. Gudit is mentioning, uh, I'm a graduate from Mexico. I graduated from UABC, which is Universidad Autónoma de Baja California, which is like my state university back here in Baja. I did my school in Tijuana. I graduated in 2018, and I am the first doctor in my close family. But in my extended family, I do have three other cousins that studied medical school as me. So we're four of us, all with the same last name, and we all graduated in the same year. So it was, it was pretty fun. And yeah, that's, that's about oh, it. Oh, that's cool. So did you grow up in Mexico and in what part? And how was life then and how you kind of evolved into even going to medical school? in Mexico? Or did you think about coming to the US? I know since we're a border town, it's just a lot of decision making on a lot of students who live along the border. Yes. So I was born in San Diego, California, but I was raised in Tecate, Baja California. So I was born over there, raised over here because currently I'm on vacation. I'm on my hometown right now. I'm so happy to be here. So I was raised here in Tecate, but since I was in the border, I could easily go back and forth. So since third grade and up to high school, we did cross the border every day and we drove to school. It's like a 30, 35 minute drive. It's not too bad, but so I was kind of half and half here and there. But yeah, my parents are 100% Mexican. They don't know English. They're not <laughs> interested in the United States right now. So it's only me and my brothers who are currently working. And well, I didn't do college in the US, but my brothers did back in the USA right now. So you did high school here in the United States, but did yes. your undergraduate in Mexico? I did plan on maybe trying to do medical school through the United States. But mm -hmm. It seemed a little bit impossible, The my reviews by my teachers and my whoever was helping me, they're always like, are you sure? Like kind of negative in the sense that I 
didn't have probably like the best English. I didn't have the best grades. It mm. was just a weird situation that there wasn't a lot of support. And my parents gave me the option. Hey, why don't you try it here? And it's not easier to get in, but easier in the sense that if I didn't like it, I could easily switch to another way for me. All right. So then you graduated from high school here and you said they told you you didn't have the grades or did you have pretty good grades? I had okay grades in school. Okay. I in didn't, high school. I, I was a teen, I guess. I didn't pay extremely much attention to school back then, um, but I really mm -hmm. wanted to be a doctor. It has never been a doubt. So, yeah. Okay. But thank you for your honesty because I think I like students to hear how we all have different paths because they sometimes have this preconceived idea that you had to have been a straight A student from the get go. <laughs> and I yeah. said, no, sometimes we evolved into it. We didn't know. We were an average student. And then you still had something in you that said, I want to be a doctor someday. But because you were an average student in high school, you get feedback from counselors saying, mm, I don't know, maybe you should think about it. Yeah. And then, I mean, personally, me being from a Mexican background as well, sometimes culturally, the parents are more, instead of pushing you, they're kind of like, oh, it's okay, you don't need to do that, you know, <laughs> because sometimes yeah. academics um, aren't on the forefront of our culture as much. In my case, right? it was a little bit uh -huh. different. So oh, okay. I started off with great grades and then oh. high school came and that's where I don't know what happened. Uh, I had okay grades. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I had B's, B plus, A minus, but I, I wasn't a straight A student anymore. I did have some C's as well. And yeah, my parents, yeah. my dad's a lawyer. So he is oh, okay. very into grades. So I oh, yeah. I was struggling. Okay. I was struggling. I totally. Get but it. <laughs> it worked out. Yeah. Okay. So then that happened. The feedback you got, then that's where, you know, talking to your parents, I said, why don't you come and just do your undergraduate degree in Mexico? What did you yes. study in Mexico as your undergraduate so, degree? In Mexico, it's medical school and medical school. There's no undergraduate. There's no nothing. I went straight into medical school. I was like 18 when I started. Oh, wow. Can you talk more about that process? Because that's completely different than here in it's the very, States. Yeah. So because the process of going to medical school in Mexico is so different than here, because here we have undergraduate that you have to complete, not there. What exactly is that process like for students who are going to apply to medical school in Mexico, given that they don't even do an undergraduate degree? So I'm going to picture it two ways. I graduated high school here in this, oh, or there in the States. Mm -hmm. The same here that in Mexico, kids graduate high school. They do mm -hmm. an exam to apply for college or university, as we call it here. It's a like an it's SAT. A general, it's uh, like an yes. SAT over yeah, there. It's like oh, an okay. SAT. It's not as general. Mm -hmm. You have to do one exactly for which school you want to go to. So, for mm, okay. instance, mm -hmm. YSA is the public school of the state here in Baja. So, you have to do the exam to try to get into that school. 
Mm-hmm. And you have to know exactly what career you want to do since then. So you do the test. I did the test for the exam for medical school. And I got the, the grade, got to go in directly. And there's no undergraduate. There's no nothing. You go straight into your first semester and you do anatomy. So. Oh, wow. So you're taking just your sciences, anatomy, biology, pharmacology, yeah. all that stuff just right away. Yes, right okay. away, right away. And how many years is that? So in the end, it turns out to be five years of school, mm-hmm. one year of internship, we call it, and one year of social service. The okay. five semesters here. Mm-hmm. So by six semester. We start doing clinical rotations by mm-hmm. 10th semester. That's when you, you do your graduation party because you graduate from school and you go straight directly to the hospital and work as a hospital worker from now as a intern, we call it here for one year. Okay. And does it, do you have to apply to that intern? Yes. So whoever is up for graduation or whoever got the grades to continue enters like a whole selection of different areas you can go do your internship and it depends on your grades and on your gpa who gets to choose first Mm -hmm. so they're all mexico and in my case i was lucky enough for my school to have like a thing with a doctor in the united states with a whole program over there that let us do our internship in the States. Oh, so where did you go? Where was that mm-hmm. at? So I did my internship in Houston, Texas for one year. There was a lot of other rotations. And that was in a hospital? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then in the hospital, are you just shadowing or are you actually seeing patients and doing the medication and the... So you don't get to do as much stuff. You're maybe like a hands-on experience. You can talk to patients, but you're like a student, like a fourth-year medical student doing like a little, I don't remember what they call it, but okay, they can essentially help the residents and do a lot of stuff, but it's not like you can have your own patients, your own charting or anything like that. Oh, got it. Okay. So yeah, it becomes like a rotation here during third, fourth year. Okay. Yes, exactly. But it's a full, it's only rotations the whole year. Got it. Got it. And Uh then you said afterwards, you guys do another year. What did you say that was for something social? What is that? So the school is a public school. Mm -hmm. You have to return some social service to, to the state that's actually paying for the school. Because I'm lucky enough to say that my school semester was only $200. For semester. Oh, so well, yeah. it mm-hmm. depends on what area. It's the same process of choosing. So whoever is ready to do social service goes into a whole selection thing. Then depending on your grades, you get to choose. You get chosen to areas of Mexico. Social service has to be in Mexico. Okay. So you get chosen into areas that have um, poor health access and poor access to doctors. So they, you get sent to a rural clinic and you get sent with, there's one doctor, one dentist, 
and one nurse or two nurses. And they, they're doing the same thing. They're doing their social service. So all the rural clinics get okay. run by these new doctors that are doing social service. In my case, I was lucky enough to get a really good position in Tijuana. I didn't have to go anywhere rural for a year, which was great. I got to do my social service in the kidney transplant area in the hospital, in a really big hospital in Tijuana, which was awesome. Oh, that's neat. Okay. So it looks like that you apply, but you can literally be sent anywhere in Mexico. Anywhere. Anywhere. Okay. And I was lucky enough to, <laughs> to stay close to home. Yeah. So it's significantly cheaper, obviously, to go to school there than it is here, which would be a plus. But say if someone didn't have the funding, is there loans or or is it something that students have to pay out of pocket? Like, how does that work, the funding for the medical school over there? For the medical school, you can it can literally be free if you try for it. There's a lot of fundings. There's a lot of scholarships, we call, and a lot of ways you can make school be free. Actually, the $200 that we pay is a little expensive compared to for instance, UNAM, which is the Universidad Nacional de México that is in Mexico City. For medical school, they pay like five pesos. Five pesos per semester, which is like... Wow. Yeah. And it's just like a, I don't know, just so you have a check. So mm. they give you back a check that you paid. It's nothing significant or anything. Now, would those prices only be for people who have our Mexico nationals? Like, say, for example, if there's a student from the United States that applies to a medical school over there and a program, is it the same or is it going to be more money? It's not the same. Mm -hmm. I had to fix my double nationality mm -hmm. to be able to, to match into my medical school. Since it's a state, it's a Mexican state medical school, I have to be Mexican. But there's mm -hmm. a lot of options. Um, there's private schools here in Mexico that have really, really good medical schools as well. And they accept international students. And I know a lot of students that come from all over the place to do medical school in Mexico. Okay. Just because from what my research I did, it seems like it's expensive for students who are not, who don't have um, Mexican yeah. nationality. It's probably could even be more expensive than going to medical school here as well for those students. Yeah. So I think that's an important distinction to make. So it's expensive uh -huh. yeah. and it's, you have to pay mm -hmm. every semester. Mm -hmm. That is the difference. So it is, it is expensive. Okay. But that's interesting. That's completely different. You're so young coming out of medical school in Mexico. <laughs> Now, what was your decision then why you did Actually, I should ask, did you practice in Mexico when you were done? Or did you decide right then and there that you wanted to come over to the United States to actually practice here? So actually, I wasn't even sure. When I was done, I wasn't sure I wanted to come to the States. I did right away when I was done with my social service, uh, mm -hmm. the pandemic started. So I was done in February of 2020. So mm -hmm. it all started a few months after that. I was lucky not to 
have to see it in the hospital. But mm -hmm. I, I was done with that pandemic hit. I wasn't even sure I wanted to do anything in the States yet. So I started working in Cruz Roja, which is the Red Cross. So then I worked a little bit in the pandemic. I I knew I wanted to be a pediatrician. So the Red Cross, I saw only adult patients and a few pediatrics, but I wasn't mm -hmm. feeling it. So that's when I started thinking like, hey, you once wanted to do like the steps. Right now you're not doing anything but staying home. Should you start studying? Like a little start point. So I tried. Mm -hmm. I actually started studying right at this room. I had like a little desk um, and I did all my setup. I bought all the books. It was perfect. Nobody was bugging me. I couldn't be out of the house. Uh, my parents were very strict about the COVID issue and I was too. So I started. But a few months after, not even a few months, like one month after, I was like, no, I'm too bored. <laughs> This is horrible. The COVID era started getting, because it was, at first it was exciting and it was a new and it was like, great, you, we get to do whatever we want. And then it started getting like horrible. Started getting boring, started getting claustrophobic. My parents were here all day. I wasn't excited anymore. So I couldn't study anymore. So I started looking for job opportunities. And I, I found a really good job in San Diego, actually. And what was that? It was a care manager for a clinic in San Diego. So I was in a care manager for chronic patients. It was adult patients as well. But that job I could do from home. So I was mm. equipped with a laptop and a, a work phone. And I used to call patients every other day or every day, depending on the case, just to ask, how are you doing? Like housing situation, food situations, medications, and just communicate, be the communication, the bridge between the patient and the doctor, all of those things. And I did charts and road notes and all of that. It was nothing like being a doctor, but I made it a little my interest too with the patient was very good and I was doing great I loved that job and I lived in San Diego for that so I just wanted to get out of home so I took the opportunity I was getting mm -hmm. paid so I moved and then from there what happened <laughs> so from there I worked maybe like six months in my head I was gonna try to work a nine to five or an eight to five and then from five to ten I was gonna study. That was the plan. It was impossible. It was so much work. <laughs> I was so burned out. I was very tired from work. Like I did work from home, but I actually worked. Like it it wasn't easy. I was tired of being in my desk all day. I was tired of being in my room all day. So having like thinking about spending another five hours of my day in the desk in my room wasn't working out. So I spoke with my parents, I told them that I needed support and I needed like more than money support, I needed like emotional support and I needed mm -hmm. to help me to just take a decision and study for real this time. So that's what we did. My parents told me, go ahead, come back home. My parents have like a little apartment here in Tecate. That is not home. It's like five minutes away from here. So my dad was like, okay, you're going to live there. You're going to study. You're not going to worry about anything. 
but study. So that's what I that's what I needed. And now this time I was very, very interested and I was very I was like maybe like a fourth in of all that I had to study. So I was already a step forward. It wasn't starting from the beginning. So it it was different. And that's when I really studied for step one the first time. Okay. Can you tell the listeners what exams as an international graduate you have to take Mm -hmm. to be able to cross over to apply to residency over here? So for the IMG, International Medical Graduate, you have to, first of all, you have to have your title, your medical title, to be able to certify with the ECFMG. So for that, you have to have your step one, general steps that we all take, step one and step two. After step two, you can apply to the match, which is what I did. Before you apply to the match, you have to be ECFMG certified. And IMG needs to have their medical title to be certified. So you have to have that. And you have to take a test that is called the OET, which is, I don't know exactly what it stands for, but it's an English test, like a medical English test that you have to take as well to be certified and be ready to apply. Do you know if there's only certain medical schools that the United States will recognize? Yes. So your medical school has to be, I don't know if it's called certified or registered in, I don't remember what it's called, but it has to be registered in, in the medical, like the board, American Board of Medical Schools or so for, for it to be able to. As far as I know, most of the medical schools in Mexico or most of the state medical schools in Mexico are registered. So state medical schools here are very important medical schools. It's the best medical school you can choose here in Mexico tend to be those, the public state medical schools. And most of them are eligible for the match, which is great. In my case, also my school was registered. So that's good to know because it depends which country or what area, because another popular area other than Mexico is the Caribbean. So that's also something Mm -hmm. good that you have to be able to recognize in order if you're planning to come back for residency. Now, you said you have to be ECFMG certified. What does that mean? So ECFMG is the Educational Commission for Foreign Medical Graduates. That's like the link between your school and the match. So ECFMG is, you do your step one through ECFMG is the platform that connects to your medical school and makes sure your school is registered, is the platform that gets your title, gets it like checked, and is the link between. Sounds like the international platform. Okay. Yes. Got, the it. Back. Got it. Okay. So which is something that if you go to medical school here, you don't come across just to clarify no. that. Okay. And, and it's then fun. I asked one of my co-residents, I'm like, oh, the ECFMG. And they're like, the what? And I'm like, wait, what do you mean? Yeah. They said, I was like, work for an IMG. You do everything mm-hmm. through there, but it doesn't exist for them. It's just for us. So yep. This is why I asked because for you, it's so normal for international graduates. I've had friends and they mention it, right? But yeah. like for us, it's like, wait, 
But the step one, so what Alexa is referring to is a step one, two, and then there's also step three. Medical school students actually have to take that even here in the United States. So they're taking the same exam that we are taking, but they just go through a separate platform through it to it with the ECFMG. So that way they can cross on over here. Okay. Yeah. It's a different exam is the OET. The English exam. Yeah. Take yeah. that in state yeah. school. And I've I've also heard like that for the step one and two that usually you guys have like, and I don't know what the norm is and you probably can tell me as an international medical graduate, like you have to score at least this number to be considered competitive. What number is that? So it depends a lot on what you want to match into. To my luck. I I've never wanted to be like a neurosurgeon or like you know, <laughs> uh, orthopedic surgeon or anything insane like that. So for peds, it was I think for the step one you had to get like a minimum of like two twenty. But mm. hear me out, I did not get a two twenty. Let me tell you that. So I think mm-hmm. it's it all depends. Scores do not mean anything, and I can say it with. Uh, that's what I experienced. So I think nothing here is relative. Nothing here matters. What matters is that you keep trying and you'll you'll get yeah. there. I think it's because it's an average, the 220 that you're saying. So if you look at the bell curve, then there's some that score below, some that yeah. score high. So it'll vary. So, But I think in order for you to match to residency, so... You at least got like a minimum decent score, right? Um, You graduated. But then there's also the process that they consider looking at, which is your experience, any research. Like, what did you put that as your like extracurriculars that made you a strong applicant into the residency program as an international graduate? So I think my curriculum was my number one. I put a bunch of volunteer work that I did. And actually having like me working in the Red Cross was a big topic. Me having volunteered in different programs, nonprofit programs for pediatrics was a huge topic as well that they liked. It all comes down to conversation topics for the interview. I think that makes a huge difference. And these volunteering things that I did, they weren't like huge volunteering things. Maybe that I worked for a week with vaccination sites, or maybe I worked for a week in an orphanage or for not even a week, like for three days. I put everything and Mm -hmm. those helped me. So there's no small thing that cannot be enough. Everything's enough. So I think that that helped me a lot. Okay. And then were you a medical assistant as well? Yes. So... After I was done with my step one, Mm -hmm. I right away started uh, working on my step two and I started studying for my step two. So that for the step two, it took me maybe like another six months. I passed that exam and I started looking for jobs so I could do something between just like the step two and the match because I wasn't doing anything. I had maybe like six months to spare, that I wasn't ready to do nothing. I was excited to work, getting a little bit more of clinical experience. So Mm -hmm. I applied 
I applied to Ready Children's. Ready Children's is a children's hospital in San Diego. It's a very good hospital. So I applied for anything. I was like, I'm ready to do anything. If I can clean, I will clean. If I can do something <laughs> clinical, I'll be happy. Um, whatever. I was just ready to go back to San Diego, to be honest. I'm a very San Diegan lover. So I wanted <laughs> to work, get my money, and go back. And I was lucky enough to find a job as a medical assistant in the cardiology unit of Ready Children's. So Ready Children's has a huge cardio area clinic. So it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. Mm -hmm. But I got to work with kids 100% for the first time. I got to do, I don't know, I got a really good experience on how to manage kids, how to ma manage family members. Um, and I think it also looked good in my curriculum. I got to work with a lot of doctors. Um, that helped me throughout the process that were nice enough to, to guide me. Um, and I got a lot of connections there um, other than the clinical experience. And also, it was, a, it was a big topic in the interview that I had worked in a children's hospital. Yeah. <laughs> How hard was the residency process? Because certain residencies are open to international medical graduates, other not as much. And then it depends on your specialty, of course. So we're right now speaking in regards to pediatrics. Was it challenging for you to get interviews? And how, how was that? So in pediatrics, I know it's a very IMG-friendly residency program. So I don't think I struggled. As I said before, I didn't get the best exam scores. It all came back to my CV. And I ended up getting 10 interviews with very good schools. So all my interviews were directly with schools, which was great. I don't think it was hard for me, but it all depends, all depends on. So, but it's not the easiest one to match into as a IMG. I think I was checking a little bit of the stats. The most common paths that IMGs take is family medicine, internal mm -hmm. medicine, or medicine. And I think another good one is psychiatric and I think anesthesiologist and pediatrics as well. It's there, it's in the list, but it's not the most friendly. In my case, I matched into a program that is half IMGs, half um, so oh, wow. it's very, it's very friendly. Wow. It's great. Okay. Where is that at? I'm in Philadelphia. I'm in the Einstein Medical Center with Jefferson. Oh, okay. With the Thomas Jefferson Medical School. So it's very good. I like it. I get to see we're half and half just because it needs to be at least half and half. Uh, Philadelphia is a very diverse population area. So I get to speak Spanish. <laughs> How many residency programs did you apply to? Because you said you got 10 interviews, but mm -hmm. out of how many that you applied to? So I applied everywhere. I applied to 170, I think, programs. That's I to give perspective applied. because that's yeah. a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. More programs. There's like almost 300 programs. I applied to the ones that I saw myself into. But I could have applied to 
to all of them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Out of the 10 interviews I got, which were very good schools that I'm telling you, I couldn't even decide how to rank those schools because they were good. They were very good. So I was just lucky, mm-hmm. lucky to have good options. Now, how much did that cost you, Alexa? <laughs> it was a lot. So all, yeah. all of them, it's costly. So the steps are expensive. The OET yeah. is expensive as well. And the steps are like a thousand. The OET is mm-hmm. half of that. So it's expensive. It's an expensive exam. The certification is another chunk of money. The match process is another chunk of money. The greatest one of them. So I spent only in the match without counting the exams, maybe like mm-hmm. almost $5,000. That sounds about right. So yeah. It yeah, is. A lot. It's a yeah. little bit. So that's a little bit. It's dip. a little bit insane. Yeah. yeah. But then again. So that's like that's another probably, difference too. Uh-huh. Yes. That's probably the only money, the big money I, I mm-hmm. spent. So if we put into perspective or we compare between the USA graduates, well, okay, maybe yes. I need to pay 10 grand in total. I mm. just, how much do you have to pay in loans? She has to pay. Yeah. Yes. No yes. comments. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it is. It, it seems it's a very lot. expensive here. It does. It's expensive and it depends where you go. The only thing is it's that risk of getting accepted if you're an international graduate. You know, I'm glad that it worked out for you. You know, like I'm so glad, but that's not always the case for a lot of them, right? Whereas you do pull out a big chunk of money here, but usually you match, you know, here with it. And you're not applying to 100. I mean, you're applying to less than 20 likely here, like if you're a medical school graduate. But that'll depend on what specialty you're going to. But uh, yeah, I have friends that are international graduates that I had in residency. Yeah, they came in without any debt because it's just that's how it is in the country where they studied from, you know. And and they were like, oh, I feel terrible for you guys because we come out with so much debt here. So, But that's another key point to bring up too, you know, because it is real. And you're now getting to know graduates from here and you're like holy smokes that's a lot of money yeah yeah, it's true it just didn't happen for a reason we had a good reason and i think anyone can make it even if you're trying for the hardest specialty um you can make it i mean there it is there's people if anybody else can do it you can do it so there's nothing that can guide you away from your dream than yourself. So in my case, I just kept very strong in my emotions and just worked mm-hmm. through it. Well, thank you like so much for like sharing your story and the whole process because I think I learned along the way too. I mean, I've had friends, but it's limited sometimes how much we can talk, but it's it's just interesting to hear because you're right. You know, it's not that you just landed there. You had to work for it. And I personally feel when you're an international medical graduate, you kind of have to work for it harder to get there. So it's not that, oh, you just did this and that's what happened. No, I can imagine what your CV looked like. 
You must have tried to do everything and anything you can to make yourself a strong candidate. Get good grades while you were in medical school because they're going to look at that. Yeah. And score. The step one and step two is hard. It's hard for the students here. So the fact that even though you didn't get that average, which doesn't matter, it's great. You know, it's still hard and you passed it and you got a good enough score that it got you to these interviews. So yeah, it wasn't by chance. It's not by luck. You deserve to be there and you worked that hard to get there as well. And yes. a lot of sacrifice. A I'm lot sure there were tears sacrifice. along the way. There so, were. Yeah. So before we close up, anything else you want to say or share? I don't know. I think I said it all. Please, if you're thinking about it, if you're thinking about starting to study or, or if you're in the middle of studying, keep going. It seems like it's a lot and it seems like you will never be done, but you will. And you, once you're done, once you see the results, you'll be so happy. It's very different being on this side of the game now. Um, If I could do anything different would be just keep positive. And in the end, everything works out and it will. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's, that's all I have to say. Well, thank you very much. And if anybody here listening is from Philly, you might come across her as one of the pediatricians out there (laughs) in that hospital specifically. So you guys can say, hey, I heard you on the podcast. All right. Yes. Please come say hi. Okay. Peace and love, everyone. (laughs) 